Sportsbook, you win before they play with our fair friend incentive. On top of getting your 100% bonus up to $2,000, you'll earn entries to a raffle where you can win cool prizes including a trip for two and more than $4,000 in free play money. The more friends you refer, the more entries you'll get, a no-brainer. There's two days left to participate and enter, preseason blog poses on September 8th, top up your wagering action with our survivor pool and free and featured football contests. There are plenty of ways to win on BetUS, so head over to our website to get more details and not I'll be back to keep you posted. This NFL season, Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen will break down the games live every Tuesday and Friday on our BetUS NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit that bell now, and never miss a show. BetUS, where the game begins. The NFL 2021 season officially kicks off this Thursday with a matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in Florida at Raymond James Stadium. That Prescott returns from a leg injury that cost him much of last season, and he will face off against none other than Tom Brady. Can't wait to see that. We will be covering all the angles on our NFL live show this Tuesday. That's just a tip of what you'll find this and every week on our BetUS YouTube channels. We'll Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And this is week two, part two. That's right. We are ready to rock and roll. We've got some fantastic games. And of course, if you did poorly last week, that's why you're here. You want some winners, and we've got them for you. Go ahead and introduce you to the experts that bring you the show every week from BetUS, where the game begins. On the right, we've got Kyle Hunter, our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him. Make sure I get the Twitter right this time, at Kyle Hunter Picks. And then on the left, Parker Fleming. He is our statistical analyst. That's I guess that's the professional way to say it. He is at Stats of War on Twitter. Fellas, Kyle, we'll start with you. You feeling good about the second part of the slate? Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. We've got some big games, some under-the-radar games. I like that mixture. A lot of interesting, interesting games this week. Parker, how about you? We got some Big 12 action this week. What do you think? Yeah, maybe only two or three Big 12 games that I actually care about, but some really interesting ones to talk about. And I've got, man, Gary, I've been, I've been writing all night. I've got a ton of, I got a ton of stats here for today, so I'm excited to kind of dive into some of these nice. games and, uh, and talk about them. I love when you get in on the numbers, my friend. So let's go ahead and give everybody the rundown. You can subscribe to the channel and be notified when we go live every week. We do a Wednesday show at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We do a Thursday show at 12 p.m. Eastern time. It's very easy. Just click the subscribe button where you're watching right this second and make sure and hit that notification bell so that you will be notified when we go live. And of course, we would love for you to jump into the chat. We do a Q&A at the end of every show so that if we have not hit on a game that you wanna know about, we'll give you our ideas. But the games that we talk about are the ones where we feel the most value is located. So. We will go through those games today. Uh, go ahead and remind you, sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. The promo code NCAAF2021 It's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is Sportsbook exclusive. Very, very easy to do. There's a link in the description. All you have to do is click it, and it's actually going to put that promo code in there for you, so you don't even have to remember what I just said. Just go click the link. Very easy. 
The promo code NCAAF2021. Sign up at BetUS where the game begins. Let's dive into it, fellas. Game number one, this is a riveting matchup. South Alabama at Bowling Green. I know all of you are smiling right now. Didn't think I was going to go with that first, but I feel like there's an edge here. Bowling Green has not covered in seven straight as an underdog of less than three touchdowns. And South Alabama is favored in this spot on the road by 14 here. Uh, total sits at 50. I'm not even going to worry about the total. Uh, South Alabama 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six as a favorite. Quarterback Jake Bentley looks great right now. Looked good against Southern Miss last week. Uh, nobody can cover Jalen Tolbert at all. He had 33.6 yards per catch against Southern Miss last week. Just absurd. I, I think Kane Womack, the South Alabama head coach, has a coaching advantage over Scott Leffler, the Bowling Green coach. I don't trust the Bowling Green roster. I don't trust their coaching staff. The Tennessee game did nothing for Bowling Green to make me think that they have improved in any way. So I am absolutely rolling South Alabama here. I think they have got a good thing going right now. I think they're going to cover this game with ease, but I do want to go ahead and, and jump in with the experts and see exactly what they think. Kyle, we'll start with you. Do you have uh, any thoughts on, on South Alabama and Bowling Green? Yeah, Gary, I love that we started with this game and uh, the fact that you brought this up, I will say most shows aren't going to say anything about this game, right? So uh, this is why you turn into the Bet US College Football Show because we're going to talk about all the big games and some of these under the radar games where we think there can be some great value. I certainly lean South Bama in this game, lean the under as well. You know, Kane Womack did a tremendous job there at um, Indiana as defensive coordinator. A really impressive first win, too, against Southern Miss. You know, Frank Gore Jr. did a lot of damage last year against quite a few teams uh, for the Golden Eagles, held to 2.78 yards per carry last week. I think what's most impressive to me is South Bama allowed one play of 20 yards or more last week. Now, you could argue whether that's more about Southern Miss and not having a passing attack or it's more about South Bama. But I think they deserve quite a bit of credit. Uh, Bowling Green's defense put up a 62.0 PFF grade against Tennessee last week. Uh, that's, you know, not great. It's better than what they were in a lot of their games last year, which isn't saying too much. But Bowling Green's offense was as bad as ever, 43.6 PFF grade. In fact, they were plus two turnover margin and could only score six points against a Tennessee defense. That is not good. They had some really good field position several different times in that game. You know, when I handicap this game, I assume uh, Bowling Green's not going to score very many points in this game. So the question is, how much do you think South Alabama's going to score? Uh, it's going to be a bit windy for this game. Quite a bit of wind this weekend, so check the weather report, certainly. I think South Alabama can move the ball either through the air or on the ground. Uh, not too much trouble here. Bowling Green, I don't trust them to put up, you know, more than 10 points or something like that. So I like South Alabama here. I also like the under some. Parker, you got some numbers for me on uh, on the Jaguars. Oh yeah, I love love Jalen Tolbert, man. 17 yards reception in 2020 on a 17 A dot, but he had a uh, you know four yards after average four yards after the catch. So you really really have to respect a guy. A lot a lot of these you know college receivers, you'll see them have a five or six A dot and then a 17 yards per completion, and you know they're getting the ball in space, they're breaking tackles, they're going deep or they're, they're, they're making big plays, but here Tolbert is getting the ball downfield. And on average, he's still creating about four, four yards after the catch. So that, that, that is a really, he's, he's a special talent. I think we'll see him in the NFL last year. He would average 0.236 EPA per target, a 47% success rate. 
Um, just absolutely absurd for Tolbert. Nobody can guard him. Uh, and, and so I think that they'll be really, really – he'll be – It'll be hard to stop him, and at the very least, the best thing Bowling Green will do is double or even triple him, and then what they'll have to do is, you know, death by a thousand cuts because South Alabama has some other guys who are really, um, really pretty talented. So last year, Davis led them in, in target or in, in rushing attempts, thirty-six uh, success rate and a zero uh, point two first down rate. So so twenty percent there. Um, really really good with the running attack. So if Bowling Green, you know tries to shut down Tolbert, I think that USA will be able to take care of the rushing attack there. I like it. Let's move to the official picks. And I am the one that's going to have a play on this. I like South Alabama minus 14. And of course, Kyle is going to lean South Alabama, but this won't be an official play for him. I am writing it. I trust him. I trust Kane Womack. I think that he's going to do a fantastic job in this ballgame. So we'll move on to the next one. This is the Cyhawk Trophy game. This is the Children of the Corn. This is the Iowa Caucus. This is game day in Ames, Iowa. Iowa versus Iowa State. The line sits at four and a half, favoring Iowa State. So uh, the total is at 46, which makes all the sense in the world with the way that these two teams like to play. Iowa has won straight up five games in a row against the Cyclones. They are 3-1-1 one, and one against the spread in that span. Iowa State 3-6 and six against the spread, their last nine as a home favorite. Iowa has lost, or not covered, seven straight as a road dog. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, Iowa has, you know, it just dating back to last season, they have covered six of their last seven games. I, I, need, I need Spencer Petrus to look better in this game. Only .08 EPA per play versus Indiana. I do think that the game script changed for Iowa against Indiana early in that game because they got up early relatively quickly. Uh, they knew that there was no chance that Indiana was going to be able to score on them. So I don't know that I trust that their offense wasn't very good or that their offense just did not have to do anything to be able to win that game in the fashion that they did. Uh, Iowa State only .01 EPA per play against Northern Iowa. Uh, Iowa State won the turnover battle, well, or won turnover luck against Northern Iowa. Uh, Brees Hall, only three yards per carry against Northern Iowa, and that's a good Northern Iowa defense that they went up against last week. They always, always play the Iowa teams tough. I, uh, I This feels like way too many points to me. Four and a half just seems absolutely absurd. Uh, Parker, let me go ahead and get your thoughts on the Cyhawk game. Yeah, so so I don't have a play here because uh, you know early in the season my confidence intervals are a little wide and and four points here I I I cross zero so I'm not going to play this but I I have a couple of stats I think on both sides that make this interesting so one you see the Iowa loss or not loss it was effectively a loss to, to you and I last week struggling 16 to 10 not looking very good um, they have had a hard time playing you and I to start the season 2016 they lost 17 they won 42 to 24 19. They won 29 to 26 in three overtimes and then 16 to 10 last week. So uh, you couple that with the Louisiana game last year, although, you know, extenuating circumstances, Matt Campbell might have a slow start problem. We've got game day. I believe Iowa State is wearing black. I think I saw that on Twitter right before we hopped on here. So I think that Iowa State's going to have the black jerseys. They're going to try and, uh, you know, get, get as much mojo and, and any kind of college football nonsense they can invoke, whether it's uniforms or getting excited or whatever, to try and finally beat Iowa. Um, one thing that really concerns me is 
Brock Purdy was pressured on 31.3% of his drives uh, or dropbacks last week against you and I, and he only had a 60% accuracy. So the key for me here is that his depth of target actually strongly diverged. So of course, you're going to have a longer depth of target on pressure downs because you're more likely to get pressured when you're letting routes develop. But Purdy's depth of target on his drive dropbacks where he was pressured, 156 on every other draw, uh, drop back, 5.3, almost a three times as long. So wide receivers were creating no separation and the Iowa State offensive line struggled to give Purdy time to find guys when they did create separation or get downfield. That makes me very nervous because Iowa pressured Michael Penix on 37.5 of dropbacks last week. And I don't want to spout any hot takes here, but I'm, I'm inclined to believe that Iowa's pass rush is going to be a little bit more formidable than uh, Northern, uh, Northern Iowa's was last week for the Cyclones. So uh, this is kind of, you know, are, are we going to get the college football mojo is game day and, and wearing the uniforms going to going to finally put Iowa State over Iowa here, even though they are favored? Um, or is this, you know, Iowa State pressure going to be able to box in Brock Purdy and, and kind of limit Iowa State? It's going to be really interesting to see. You bring up those the, the pressure rate there. It, does getting the tight end back help at all for Iowa State? Yeah, yeah. So they were they were without Charlie Kolar last week, um, and you know you can't overstate what Kolar was for them. Not only in terms of um, blocking, but in terms of being a receiving threat and kind of giving a dimensionality. Right? Like you'll have to respect Kolar underneath, uh, and that frees up you know guys like Xavier Hutchinson to go get those deep targets. So I think that could matter. I. Um, uh, certainly it won't be the case that Iowa forgets about Charlie Kolar or expects him to not play or game plans for him to not play. So they, they obviously will be um, accounting for that. But he he should give the offense another dimension, especially when you look at Brees Hall and what a stagnant game he had last week. Getting Kolar back, I think, should help uh, for sure. Kyle, let's talk about pace of play. Let's talk about the total here. 46, uh, pretty low, but the way that these two teams play kind of makes sense. Uh, you uh, you rolling with the under here, or or do you see something else in play? I am, yeah. I like the under. Um, between these two teams, there's been a lot of low scoring games, and I know that you know games from a long time ago don't matter. But these two teams have played each other a lot. Iowa State has scored 17 points or less in four of the last five meetings between these two. They've only scored three points in two of the last four games. Uh, Phil Parker, a great defensive coordinator, seems like he's really been able to stymie that Iowa State offense time after time. I do think Brock Purdy will be under quite a bit of pressure here in this game. Um, Matt Campbell's teams have really started out slow at Iowa State. You know, Parker alluded to the fact that um, Northern Iowa's bothered them. In general, they're four and six ATS in his first two games of the season at Iowa State. The rest of the year, they're 31 and 18 ATS. So, Heads up, if you're wanting to fade uh, Matt Campbell, you probably want to get it out of the way early. Uh, his teams have peaked later in the season, certainly a, a sign of a good coach, and I think all of us agree he's a good coach. So which team has the better offense? You would think Iowa State has uh, more weapons on offense, uh, good tight ends, Brees Hall, top five running back in the country. I still think there's some questions about how good Brock Purdy really is. Who has the better defense is a fair debate here. Um, you know, Iowa secondary has been excellent every single year. I think it's going to be excellent again this year. Stellar 83.1 PFF grade against Indiana in coverage last week. And to be honest, you know, Indiana has a pretty good passing game. Obviously, it helped that Penix was, you know, running backwards and on his back a lot of the game too. Uh, Mike Rose, great linebacker at Iowa State. I think Iowa State's one weakness is their secondary. 
The question is, can Spencer Petras take advantage of that? I'm not convinced that he can take advantage of that. I really think yards and points are going to be tough to come by in this game. I think this is a close game, so I can't blame anybody for taking Iowa here plus the points. I like the under better personally, though. I can totally understand that. I think that Iowa State wants to play football the exact same way that Iowa has been playing for 20 years, and I think Iowa's got a head start on them. That's that's why they do it better, and I think that I'm going to roll with Iowa. So let's move to, <clears throat> excuse me, the official picks. Iowa plus four and a half for me is an official play. Seems like too many points. It might be a trap. I understand that, but I do think that Iowa is the better football team. I said it in the preseason. I am rolling with Kirk Ferentz and that Iowa defense to be able to handle this. And Kyle is riding the under 46 here. Those are the official plays. I like it. I like it. So that is going to move us to an ACC versus SEC uh, middle matchup, I guess you can call it. NC State against Mississippi State. NC State favored by two and a half, juiced at minus 115. Uh, total sits at 55 and a half. Now, NC State 0 and 5 against the spread their last five as a road favorite. However, State not much better, 2 and 4 against the spread their last six as a home dog. The defensive lines for both teams, I think, have a massive advantage over the offensive lines for both teams. Uh, Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore, I think, are the two best players on the field, and they both suit up for NC State. This NC State team is sneaky, sneaky good. Now, the matchup here for me is offensive coordinator Tim Beck for NC State going up against Zach Arnett's 3-3-5 defense. We saw Tim Beck have to go against a Rocky Long disciple last year in Syracuse, they won 36-29 to against a not-great Syracuse team, but they still put up 36 points, and that was with Bailey Hockman at quarterback. I'm curious about it because Tony White, Syracuse's defensive coordinator, also a Rocky Long disciple, does the same stuff, right? Uh, Mississippi State last week against Louisiana Tech, it took uh, an absolute juggernaut performance in the fourth quarter to be able to come back and get a win against the Bulldogs. Uh, they gave up .13 EPA per play against Louisiana Tech. Um, sorry, negative 0.13, and uh, and they were even in the turnover margin. It, they they only had a 58% win expectancy. It was not a fluke. Like it was it was a very tight ball game. I think NC State is significantly better than Louisiana Tech. I think talent wise, everything else, I am I am all in on this. Let's uh, let's start off with Parker. Parker, give me your thoughts on the Wolfpack. Yeah, this really comes down to looking at West or excuse me, looking at North Carolina State's performance last week against USF and how they should have um, dominated and they and they did dominate against a bad USF team, um, and and really looking at Mississippi State and how they should have dominated against a bad Louisiana Tech team, and they and they didn't really outside of that fourth quarter there. This was this was a very ugly affair. And if you look at Will Rogers' performance last week, quarterback for Mississippi State, forty four point one QBR. Um, and, it, you know, under pressure, he was just an absolute mess, but he was only pressured on 19% of his dropbacks. Um, and so I, I look at this and look at, you know, his A dot was only 3.6. They were playing leech ball and it just worked because they had the athlete advantage. And I, I think that NC State's going to be a lot more consistent, a lot more disruptive. And um, not to insinuate that Louisiana Tech is not smart, but in, in terms of coverage and their choices, I think NC State will be a little more in tune to understanding how to make sure that big plays don't develop out of this kind of dink and dunk offense. So, um, I mean, Mississippi State, you would have liked to see Jack Abram from Southern Miss transfer in and win that job decisively. And they're kind of stuck with Rodgers at, at quarterback. And in the air raid, that only matters so much. But, you know, if he can't he can't do any better than three, three A dot against uh, 
Louisiana Tech, this this is going to be hard against another Power 5 opponent who looked really, really good last week. Now, Kyle, I, I feel like you are siding the same way we are because I know that you're big on NC State. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Wolfpack here against the Bulldogs. Yeah, we'll make this consensus play here. NC State uh, took care of business in a big way last week. I think this team has a much higher upside than other people do. Uh, Doran's a good coach. Beck and Gibson, really good uh, coordinators. I really think they can take advantage of this Mississippi State offensive line and the weakness. Um, the the A dot is a great one to bring up for Mississippi State last week. I have to tell you, Mississippi State was really fortunate to win that game. Uh, they were outplayed the vast majority of that game. I had Louisiana Tech there, plus 23, and uh, late in the game, I was saying, I wish I had money line. Obviously, I'm glad I didn't have money line because of the way it turned out, but, um, you know, they got into the red zone five times last week, did Mississippi State. They scored a touchdown on all five, and they needed all five of those, definitely. Uh, Even at the end of the game, Louisiana Tech had a kick to try to win the game from 45, 46 yards away. I think the kick went like 30 yards. It wasn't even close, but... Uh, you know, that was a, a spot where Mississippi State was very, very fortunate to win that game. The only thing that concerns me a bit here is everybody likes uh, NC State, even just in the betting odds. 85% of the bets here on NC State, uh, we see them go up to a two and a half point favorite after it was about pick them earlier on. Uh, Mississippi State lost a lot of talent from their defensive line last year. NC State with over seven yards per carry last week. Uh, I think Devin Leary is much better than Bailey Hawkman, so their upside is much higher than it used to be. I don't really love laying points on the road, but we're under a field goal, so I like NC State. Uh, rolled with them last week, and we're going to do it again here this week. I can get down with that. Yeah, let's go ahead and move to the official picks. Let's make it official, fellas. We are going to go infinity lock on this, <laughs> and we did it last week with Kansas State, so we, we're already 1-0 in that regard, but all three of us, like the Wolfpack to cover the two and a half against the Bulldogs. Uh, it, it might be a tight game, but we are getting less than a field goal, and I'm I'm all in on it. So NC State minus two and a half for all of us. Go ahead and remind everybody, jump into the chat. We are going to talk about a bunch of different games in the Q&A. Uh, whatever game you would like for us to give our thoughts and opinions on, we will do that towards the end of the show. I've already seen quite a few uh, on that. So Stanford, USC, Georgia, and uh, UAB, all kinds of different stuff. So jump into the chat. Let us know what games you would like for us to discuss. Let's move on to the next game up. Liberty at Troy. And good gracious, we have a Malik Willis sighting. Um, at Liberty is a four and a half point favorite here. Total of 61 and a half. Liberty six and one against the spread versus the Sun Belt all time. Dating back to last year, they have covered nine straight games Troy, two and five against the spread their last seven as a home dog. Uh, bottom line here, fellas, I, I think Hugh Freeze is a significantly better coach than Chip Lindsey. Uh, Malik Willis is going to be the best player on the field. Troy, they have covered um, three straight so far, but again, not great as a as a home favorite. Uh, Chip Lindsey is one and seven straight up in one score games. And you're telling me that this is going to be a one-score game. I feel like Liberty is going to be able to win, and they're going to be able to cover. I love this spot. Absolutely love it. I don't think uh, people really understand exactly how big of a coaching mismatch this really is. Uh, Kyle, let me let me start with you here. I feel like you might have a feeling on this total. 61.5 seems like it might be a lot for two teams that that have maybe sneaky good defenses. Yeah, I like the under because of the the way both of these these teams play. They're they're not exceptionally fast. They both like to run the ball first. 
Uh, Willis is a tremendous talent. Uh, I do want to put you guys on the spot here real quick. Uh, any guesses on Hugh, Fe Hugh, Hugh Freeze, as I botch it, Hugh Freeze's record against the spread in his 100 games as a head coach, ATS? Uh, I would guess probably uh, 65 and 65 and 35. We might as well just stop there because Gary just exactly nailed it. It's 65 and 35. Uh, that's why that's why Gary's a great host for this. Yeah, we don't even have to keep going. I didn't need to make Parker guess because it was just 65 and 35. That was, that was uh, absolutely just a guess, by the way. I didn't actually know that. I think Gary might have this like Rolodex of ATS uh, coach records that like in the back of his mind, he just kind of accessed that. But no, they have nine straight covers, does Liberty, going for 10 in a row here. You know what really stands out to me about this game on the side is 64% of the bets are on Liberty, but 85% of the money is on Troy. So this is one of those where, uh, Gary, uh, we were even talking beforehand. This is one of those kind of you scratch your head. It's like, you know, does somebody know something I don't? Because this line's a little bit strange here. Having said that, you know, there's been a lot more people talked off of winners by these, you know, quote unquote fishy lines than have not because, you know, you, you try to trust your research. You go in with what you think is the right the right way to go on it. You can't just play this mind game and, and say, you know, fishy line. I have to stay off of it all the time because that can really be dangerous. The reason I like the under, Troy's Taylor Powell, Gunnar Watson, they both played last week. Not enough chances downfield for these guys. They they always have an A dot that's too low, you know, six, seven, eight yards. They're very conservative, and I don't think that's a good matchup against this Liberty defensive front, which is underrated, certainly. Liberty's weak and in the secondary. Their safeties aren't very good. I don't think Troy can take advantage of that. Liberty is very strong on the offensive line. I would think Liberty will run the football a lot here. 61 points here, uh, very high total. Obviously, you're going to need some explosive plays when you get that high of a total. I think we see a lot of running, a lot of moving clock in a game like this. So. Uh, you know, the way this plays out, Troy does have a strong defensive line. I think they can at least slow down Liberty, um, probably long scoring drives, maybe some field goals, things like that. 61 points is too high. I would certainly lean toward Liberty as well. And uh, I'm still impressed you pulled out 65 and 35. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, right? Uh, Parker, this this could be Hugh Freeze's last season at Liberty uh, if if a power five team wants to give him a shot to come back at, he has certainly proven it at every level that you could possibly prove it at. Uh, give me, give me some numbers on this game. What do you like about it? Yeah. The, the thing that I really like is of course, uh, the reason I think it's so close is that there's an obvious talent asymmetry at quarterback. Um, but uh, other than that, it's not like Liberty is an entire SEC team that just happens to be an FBS independent and they're playing all these things. Like, there's still some serious talent limitation, limitations on this roster. The one stat that I'll get, you know, look, Troy had a great week last week. Can't deny that, right? Um, but competition matters. And one, one thing that I really circled, 19% drop rate on Taylor Powell. You know, so, so Taylor Powell, quarterback, had a 96.1 pass grade last week. He was slinging the ball. I'll give it to him. But they dropped... 19% uh, of his passes, almost one in five. And that's got, that's not going to be consistent enough to kind of overcome issues against Liberty here. And so I think really the, the, the dual threat that Willis poses and the fact that he's so comfortable bailing on a play and running um, makes this just a game that can get out of hand really, really easily for Troy. So I'm not optimistic about Troy's offense so much. And I think that uh, Liberty's just going to be able to score at will here. I tend to agree. Let's move to the official picks here. 
And I am going to roll Liberty minus four and a half. I trust Hugh Freeze to be able to get this done in this coaching matchup. And Parker, of course, riding Liberty minus four and a half. Kyle is riding the under 61 and a half. Expects to see a lot of the running game from both of these teams. A lot of running clock. And I can side with that. Uh, go ahead and let Rob Hoke know um, he wanted thoughts on Pitt in Tennessee. Talked about it on yesterday's show. So for anybody else that would like to go back and check the games that we discussed on the Wednesday show, you just go back, click that link, subscribe to this channel, check out the videos. Very easy to do. But we discussed the early slate on the Wednesday show. And now we are discussing the afternoon slate for Saturday on the Thursday show. And we will do that again every single week. So subscribe to the channel. Make sure and hit that notification bell. You can be part of the show every single week. And, of course, everybody keep jumping into the chat. We love seeing the questions and whatnot. We will do a Q&A at the end of the show. Next game up, App State at Miami. Now, this one could be interesting. We did see Miami go to Boone a few years ago and win 45-10 to 10 in blowout fashion as only a three-point favorite. Uh, Miami, this time, a nine-point favorite at home. Total is 54-and-a-half. App State 3-1 against the spread their last four as a road dog. Miami at home, their last 10 as a home favorite, only 5-5 five and five against the spread. Here is the difference in the game for me, though. Team talent, Miami is number 13 in overall team talent, and App State is number 91. Now, this is a composite by 247 Sports, and we know that talent doesn't win every single game. It's easy to get sucked in here if you're just looking at what happened to these two teams last week, right? App State gets a big win over East Carolina, who everybody expected to be improved. Miami gets absolutely murdered by Alabama. The, the, the deal here is Alabama murders everybody. So you can't really take that out on Miami. I don't exactly know what we're going to get from Miami. Here, can App State run on that Miami defensive line? I don't know the answer to that. They had two 100-yard rushers last week against East Carolina. They absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. I Miami plays Michigan State next week. Do they care about the App State game? I would hope so. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what to make of this. I, Parker, let's let's go ahead and start with you here. Uh, do you have any numbers here that, that make you lean one side or the other? Yeah, I wanted to call this uh, turnover man meets turnover chain uh, because Chase Bryce is the App State quarterback. <laughs> and Duke last year had some uh, some notable turnover issues. But um Feel like Rodney Dangerfield, you know, like pull my collar after that. Um, but I, I mean, Brace looked he looked better last week. Obviously, it's Eastern Carolina, and um, I think the offense is a little more quarterback friendly in uh, in Boone than it, than it was at, at Duke, for instance. And you couple that with some, you know, the, the, he, he averaged 0.452 EPA per pass, he, EPA per rush. App State was able to average 0.235. So I, I think that they're a pretty competent team. I don't expect them to win. I wouldn't take money line here, but. I'm um, getting this many points. I, I I think it's going to be close. I think Miami is one, as you mentioned, kind of in a letdown spot and they are still trying to figure some things out. And so I, I just think this is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than they want. Michigan state looks better than anyone could have projected it, you know, when this game was scheduled for Miami too. So putting those in there, I, I think it's hard. One thing to look for will be the pass rush for Miami. They pressured Bryce Young a ton and Bryce Young from Alabama just did whatever he wanted last week. So Miami pressured him on 21 dropbacks. But on those pressured dropbacks, he only took one sack. He scrambled once. And of 19 attempted passes, 73% of those were on target and an A dot of 14.4. So Bryce Young has this kind of extraordinary ability in the pocket. And there's not much the defensive line can do besides disrupt him and hope that the secondary 
uh, kind of stops them. So, you know, so I, I don't think we'll see a huge downfield passing game from App State. I don't think we'll see um, – I, I think we'll see more run, kind of more short game uh, in the passing game. I think it'll be more clock rolling, and I think this will be a, a pretty close game. I can uh, I can agree with that for sure. Um, Kyle, give me your thoughts here. You got a thought on the, on the Hurricanes? And so I don't have too much on this game, but I do want to say that this is one of those games, um, Gary spoke to this also, that I'm concerned that the market can overreact to Miami getting absolutely blown out by Alabama because we see a lot of overreactions in week two and week three. There were actually some sevens earlier in the week. Uh, I would have taken Miami at minus seven. Uh, at this price, I'm staying off this game. I think if I had to take this, I'm gonna, I'd probably take Miami and lay the points here. Their talent is so much better than App State. Um, at the same time, you know, Bryce Young looked good under pressure. Can I trust uh, Chase Bryce to look good under pressure? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, trust him there. You know, him looking good against ECU doesn't tell me too much because, you know, it feels like ECU at this point has gotten to where everybody assumes they're going to get better. They're going to get better, and then, you know, for one or two games they might, but then for the course of the season they really haven't. Maybe they will throughout the rest of the season, but I'm just concerned that there could be a, a bit of an overreaction to what we just saw last week. So I'm going to lean Miami, but. I don't have to to play this game, so I'm not going to. I think that the App State coach, Sean Clark, has asked Chase Bryce to do exactly what he's capable of, and and that is just hold on to the football. Just hold on to the football and and don't make any crazy decisions, uh, and we will see how that works in this game when he's going to be pressured quite a bit. So we'll move to the official plays here, and Parker has the only one, the one official pick here, and he is going to go with App State plus nine. Uh, thinks it's going to be a closer game. I, I could 100% see it. I'm not going to play it. Kyle's not going to play it. But uh, but I could see it being a close game. Schedule spot, letdown spot, all that good stuff. So let's move on, and we are going to talk about another big one. Texas at Arkansas. This should be a lot of fun in Fayetteville. A lot of fun. Texas, a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. Total sits at 56. Texas, three and four against the spread. Their last seven as a road favorite. Arkansas, seven and three against the spread in their last 10 as a home dog. Now, they are one and nine straight up in that spot. So let's let's not go crazy with it. Uh, Sark's offense with Hudson Card at quarterback and, and running Bijan Robinson out of the backfield, doing all sorts of crazy Reggie Bush stuff with him, looked fantastic against Louisiana. Uh, I I feel good about this Texas team. They look competent, they're creative, they're fun, they're efficient. Uh, Arkansas, for any chance at winning, they're going to have to get more out of the passing game from K.J. Jefferson than they did last week. Uh, they need a they need a better passing attack. They need more stuff going on. They I don't think that they will be able to run for 5.6 yards per carry on Texas the way that, um, the way that they did against Rice. So I, I think that there's a big-time advantage at the line of scrimmage for Texas here. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm iffy on it. Parker, let me get you in here. Tell me about the Longhorns and the Razorbacks. Well, the, the TCU fan in me feels compelled to uh, say that Bijan Robinson's most spectacular touchdown uh, on Saturday against Louisiana came on an illegal motion, and he did not get set, and it should have been flagged. So <laughs> have to account for that. Um, overall, I really think that Texas looked a lot better than everyone expected them to against Louisiana. I had them at thir- I got them at 13 and a half this summer and it's doing great about that. And they, 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 um, I got Louisiana at 13 and a half and, um, 
thought that would be a lot closer. So it's good that they were able to, you know, take care of a Louisiana team whose reputation probably got a little out of control this offseason, and that's all right. I will say that watching that game, Texas's offensive line did not look great, specifically on the left side of the line. They're replacing Samuel Cosme, NFL uh, offensive tackle, and and they did not move the ball uh, or move the defenders off the ball very well against Louisiana. And Arkansas has, you know, Isaiah Nichols, Trey Williams, I think, are, are, are really, really solid defenders on that right side of the line. And so they'll face up with that weak Texas left side. It'll be interesting to see what they can do to kind of face this pressure. Um, Arkansas, you know, it's kind of a joke. They were down at higher close. It was close at half, but they, they pulled away. And I think they'll try and get KJ Jefferson running a little bit more and get him more involved um, to kind of take some pressure off of the passing game. And we'll see what they can kind of scheme up, what they were saving last week for for Texas. But I do think that the advantage is Texas. Um, and I think that they should cover seven points pretty, pretty easily because even though they'll have struggles along the offensive line, the skill talent, especially out of the backfield, is, is so much better. Now, Kyle, in this situation, seven points, it, this line has moved from, I believe it opened at four in the preseason, and now it's all the way to a touchdown. Uh, is this complete overreaction to to Texas winning by three touchdowns against the top 25 team last week and uh, Arkansas struggling with Rice, or is there something else at play? Yeah, um, I, I think it's fair to say that this line move is a little bit troubling just because, you know, four or five would be a lot easier to, to cover than the seven. Having said that, I don't want to take Arkansas in this spot. Uh, Texas really impressed me in game one. You know, I think Sarkeesian has proven himself as a great offensive mind. Hudson Card, 224 yards passing, two TDs, no picks. Texas was 10 for 15 on third down in that game. Um from cfbgraphs.com, I see 77.1% echo rate and plus 0.671 EPA per pass. A great first game for that Texas offense. Uh, five trips into the red zone, five touchdowns. They can't keep up this level of efficiency on offense, but I do think Texas will be very good. And you have to like how Hudson Card played in that first game because Louisiana is a solid defense. Uh, most impressive for Texas last week to me allowing 2.34 yards per carry against Louisiana. Louisiana has a good offensive line, a team that can run the football consistently. Uh, impressive for the defense. If the defense can continue to improve, uh, I think that'll really help Texas's upside. The other thing about Arkansas is Arkansas was down 17 to seven in the third quarter against Rice, uh, then tied 17 to 17 in the fourth quarter, only to score 21 points, including one with about a minute left, a touchdown. They got away with a really dirty cover in that game against Rice. Uh, Jefferson should be pretty good in this system, and I respect Pittman and the coaching staff, but there's a big talent disadvantage for them in this game. Uh, Arkansas run defense is a weakness. You don't want to have run defense as a weakness when Bajon Robinson is on the other team. So uh, lean to Texas here. I can side with that. What I'm curious about is Hudson Card's first road start. This feels like a big, big deal this year with home field advantage. Uh, people are, we saw it last week, people are fired up and they are showing up to the stadiums in droves. This is going to be big for the people in Fayetteville. Uh, I am going to stay off of it, but let's move to the official picks here. And Parker is the one that will have a play. He is going to take Texas with that seven points. He's uh, he's going to give up the seven and expect Texas to be able to cover and I can totally understand that. It seems like uh, they do have a big advantage in this game. So we've got two more that we're going to cover. Then we're going to jump into the Q&A. Again, everybody subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you have the notification bell on and jump into that chat. We want to talk with you. So let's go ahead and dive into the next one. Missouri 
at Kentucky. And it is an SEC East battle. Kentucky, a five-point favorite at home. Total sits at 56. Missouri, two and four against the spread, one and five straight up in their last six against Kentucky. Now, they did win and cover last year, 20 to 10 in uh, in 2020. Missouri, uh, three and seven against the spread, their last 10 as a road dog. Kentucky is eight and two against the spread in their last 10 as a home favorite. Now, that speaks well of Mark Stoops for sure. Uh, there were there were holes that we don't normally see in that Kentucky secondary last week against Louisiana Monroe, but uh, but they do have now an explosive, competent passing attack with Will Levis, and I'm I'm surprised at at what I've seen. I don't know that the total has been able to catch up to exactly what we saw in Week One. We know that Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri is going to have a competent offense. We know that he's going to be able to put up points with Connor Bazelak and that. In that bunch, the defense at Missouri dropped a ton from 2019 to 2020. And we kind of saw some of the same stuff when they played Central Michigan last week, even without Jim McElwain on the sidelines. The defense for Missouri does not look great. And the defense for Kentucky did not look great. Uh, Kyle, let's let's go ahead and start with you at the total here at, at 56 now. I mean, it's gone up significantly, but do we still feel good about this? Yeah, uh, I bet this one at over 53. I still like it at over 56. Um, I really like what I saw from Kentucky last week with Will Levis, a quarterback. Cohen's an innovative thinker at offensive coordinator. They've proven that they can run it year after year, right? We know Kentucky still has a really good offensive line, but now they're not one-dimensional. And I know it was UL Monroe, but it's still a good sign that they can throw the ball around pretty well. Uh, can Missouri get stops here? I, I really doubt it. You know, I, I think that they gave up 5.52 yards per play against Central Michigan. They were actually outgained in that game. Central Michigan has a questionable offense. And, you know, obviously a MAC team to be able to get that much kind of yardage on you, it would concern me a lot. Um, you know, to me, uh, Connor Bazelak for Drinkwitz at Missouri is a really good fit. I think that Kentucky's cornerbacks are their single biggest weakness on their team. Uh, Gary alluded to the fact that ULM kind of had some wide open receivers. They can't do too much about it because, you know, they're ULM. Uh, Missouri will be able to do quite a bit more about it. I think Missouri can move the ball and score here. I think both of these teams can score fairly well in this game. I think this uh, total is not higher than it is because of what we've seen in the past when these two teams play. The thing is, is like we've talked about, Kentucky's not the same team that they were the last few seasons. So, yeah, we'll see how long it takes for the numbers to catch up. I think that Kentucky is going to continue to play faster than they did in the past. They're not going to be warp speed or anything, but they'll play quicker. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. And Missouri, to me, is a better over team than an under team because I trust Drinkwitz as an offensive mind. Bazelak's a really good fit there. Missouri's defense is a clear weakness. So, I like the over here. If I were taking a side, I would lean Kentucky. Now, Parker, this does have a little bit of an NFL flair to it because, of course, uh, as Kyle alluded to, Cohen comes in as the offensive coordinator from the Los Angeles Rams. Well, Steve Wilkes is the defensive coordinator for the Missouri Tigers. At, they were in the same division together in the NFL, uh, battling against each other. They know each other well. Uh, give me your thoughts on on the Kentucky Wildcats and the Missouri Tigers. I just want to uh, tell myself at the very beginning of this to say, I said this offseason, Will Levis went to the school for quarterbacks who can't throw good. And uh, week one bore that out. You know, he had 80 percent uh, completion rate or 80 percent accuracy rate, excuse me, on a 12.6 dot. Dude was throwing the ball downfield. He was moving. It looked really, really good. 
any any increase in Kentucky's ceiling on the pass game is so ferocious because then you have Chris Rodriguez coming in, uh, one of the best running backs in the nation, still underappreciated, 4.74 yards after contact last week. Granted, it was Louisiana Monroe. Granted, they've got a lot going on, but still, um, good teams beat bad teams. And that's my takeaway from Louisiana and Monroe is Kentucky passed on a bad team. They haven't in the past been able to pass on a bad team. So that 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 to me is is really, really encouraging for the side of Kentucky and for the pace because Kentucky did last week get up early um, with a pass, 0.65 e, uh, EPA per pass, and then they rushed the rest of the game, which is why their EPA on rushing was negative, 0.217. They just kind of let it cruise once they had scored enough. So I, I really like what Kentucky's doing on offense. I think that they have a guy who can execute their vision, and they have one of the best um, O-line running back combinations in the league. Looking at the other side, for Mizzou, I, I love Connor Bazelak, I think he's a, a, a very good quarterback, very solid, but you can't overstate their drop-off on defense. They lost Barry Odom, who took the Arkansas job. His protege, Ryan Walters, who's an up-and-coming defensive coordinator at Illinois now, um, uh, is a name to know in college football. He left, and and they, they're kind of cycling through here, just really not sure what to do on the defensive side of the ball there. So I think that Kentucky will be able to play this kind of um, pick-your-poison, physical, over-the-top game against Missouri. And five points here seems like uh, a no-brainer for Kentucky just because as soon as they get up, they have a vice grip that's just going to kind of shut down the pace of the game. I can smell exactly what you're cooking. So let's go ahead and dive into the official picks. Parker is going to ride Kentucky minus five, and Kyle is going to go over the 56. Still feels good, even with the three-point line movement. I can get down with it. I'm going to pass because I have seen Kentucky blow games against Missouri before, and I'm just squeamish about it. So (laughs) with that said, let's dive into the last game that we're going to cover before we get to the Q&A. We'll go to Washington and Michigan. Now, this is a pretty big game. Michigan now a seven-point favorite, and that has shifted dramatically in light of last week's results with Washington losing to Montana last week. Uh, total is 48-and-a-half. Washington 2-7 and seven against the spread in their last nine as an underdog. Michigan 5-2 and two against the spread, their last seven as a home favorite. Montana beat Washington 13-7 to seven last week, and, and it wasn't a fluke. They had an 87% postgame win expectancy. Like, it was unbelievable. Washington's offensive coordinator, John Donovan, um, he was 0-2 against Michigan as the offensive coordinator at Penn State in 2014 and 2015. Predictable offense against Michigan is going to be eaten alive. That Michigan defense looked better last week than it did the prior season. Uh, It's This just looks like it should be an easy cover for Michigan. But that's what makes me scared of it, right? Uh, Washington only 1.75 points per scoring opportunity last week, and and they lost the turnover battle three to nothing. I get that, but um, I mean, at Michigan just destroyed a a very competent offense in Western Michigan last week. I I'm not gonna pick a side here, but we'll we'll roll with Kyle first and see if you have any thoughts on the Wolverines and the Huskies. Yeah, I mean, first, what do we to make of that Washington awful upset loss to Montana? Major questions at quarterback, obviously, 3.99 yards per play against Montana. Uh, it's just pretty shocking. Uh, Ronnie Bell is a key loss for Michigan in a game like this, you know, because Washington does have a good defense. Uh, I think part of the reason we've seen the total get bet down is Ronnie Bell is out. Part of it is winds of 15 to 20 miles per hour for this game. So you would think there is a little bit more conservative of game script here. Uh, does Michigan finally have a quarterback? I feel like we ask this every year. 
I don't know that we know the answer yet. Um, you know, time will tell here. We've seen Michigan blow out these MAC teams at the beginning of the year before and then kind of struggle in the middle of the season. So I hate to lay seven points in a game that I do think will be fairly low scoring. At the same time, I really can't bet Washington based on what I just saw. And I, I don't know that Washington's going to be able to score in this game. Like Gary said, you know, I, I don't know how Washington's going to score. They're so predictable on offense. Their quarterback play is not good. Um, um, if I had to bet something in this game, I'd bet the under. Obviously, I wish I could get 51 instead of 48 and a half, but um, no strong lean on the side for me. Now, Parker, I know you got some numbers for me drawn up here, uh, but Washington, I mean, were they as bad as it appeared last week? I mean, I know that Montana is a pretty good FCS school, but the difference there shouldn't be, you know, that the, those two teams are even comparable. It should be that Washington is dramatically better than Montana. And they just were not last week. Yeah. So one, I'll say I don't I don't have access to play by play for FCS games. Uh, and so that's a little hard to put that in context because I don't really have a bar- barometer for comparison. Right. But generally, uh, you know, Montana was a top 10 is a top 10 FCS team. They're a respected program. They've won a national title or at least played for a national title, I believe. Um and and so this should have been lot, a lot more closer to Iowa State's game against you and I, where they said, "Uh, we shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have been in that situation, and we got out of here." But but Washington just made a couple crucial mistakes and couldn't make plays when they needed to. So that that being said, I go and I look at Michigan, and Michigan held uh, Western Michigan, who was the sixth best passing offense last year at 0.197 EPA per play, to just 14 points and to 0.092 EPA per pass, which would be their um, uh, worst game in the last, the last two years with Caleb Elby at, at quarterback there. So a really good attack. And again, it's kind of like the Kentucky situation. Competition's lacking, but what good teams do is they shut down lesser competition and Michigan did that Washington didn't do that last week I like Cade McNamara um I think that you know Harbaugh's had enough time to work on you know what he's doing uh but but McNamara was was on in the, in the couple passes that he made um the one thing that makes me really really nervous about Michigan is that Ronnie Bell is out for the year wide receiver and that just kind of changes their entire um mo on offense and so losing that injury there also with the inevitable you know whether it's a a resurgence or a dead cat bounce of washington they're not going to be as bad as they were last year they're obviously a uh, you know a well-respected fcs team fbs team with a lot of power uh power and talent so i'm not playing this just because there is so much uncertainty with the injury uh and with with washington kind of rebounding here that uh so we all kind of feel the same we're we're not going to have an official play on this because it feels like seven might just be too many points. Washington is not as bad as they were last week against Montana. Michigan, maybe not as good as they appeared against Western Michigan. So maybe it's somewhere in the middle. We're we're gonna we're gonna pass on it. But uh, let's go ahead and move into the Q and A. Now we do have quite a bit in the chat, uh, lots of questions, and we'll start off with this one: uh, Stanford and USC. We did have several people ask about this yesterday and today. Uh, not one that we felt a, a lot of value on because Stanford did look pretty dreadful last week. USC a 17-point favorite here, total of 53. Stanford 5-2 and two against the spread, their last seven against USC. Uh, my, the question here is, can Tanner McKee boost the Stanford offense? Do they look better when they're not having to play at 9 a.m. You know, body clock game? Like I, I feel, I don't feel great about the direction that David Shaw has this program going currently. But I also don't feel all that great about USC, even with a 30 to seven final last week. They were up 13 to seven 
in the fourth quarter and things just got out of hand for San Jose State. I I don't know which way I would roll on this. If I had to absolutely take a side, I would probably roll with Stanford. Uh, but, you know, Parker, let's go back to you. Give me give me your thoughts on David Shaw's bunch going up against, uh, against the Trojans. Kansas State and uh, three points last week was maybe the bet of the year. That was the no-brainer. Um, that that just knew it was going to happen. There was body clock, like so many things going in favor there. And Stanford didn't look great, and they're going to make a quarterback change again this week. So I, I think that UC's offense looked good. Um, you know, Slovis is, is much better than he was last year, obviously getting a full offseason work. He is an NFL guy. But if you look at their defense – I mean, San Jose State can throw the ball and did last year against some really bad competition. And USC shut them down for a good portion of the game, but they were still a little susceptible. I think that, you know, I, I have this in my numbers a lot closer than 17, but favoring Stanford, uh, excuse me, favoring USC. And so I just this this really is going to come down to like philosophical comments about pace. And I just don't know what to think about that so early in the season with, you know, Stanford coming off an extremely short season coming off um, an extremely bad game where there was a lot of, you know, mitigating circumstances and they played early and they didn't really know what they're getting at Kansas state because Skylar Thompson was hurt. So I, I, I think it's going to be closer. I think if you forced me to pick something here, I would, I would expect Stanford to cover, but I really don't feel comfortable playing this game. And same here, same here, Kyle, how do you feel about it? Yeah, so I'll kind of uh, give my reasons for why I can't bet on this game. I'll say that, you know, uh, part of the reason that you tune into this show is not just for the picks, but also just to try to help yourself become a better sports better in general. So what we try to do is educate in general. Um, you know, this line was minus 10 in the preseason on the look ahead lines. So if you're laying 17 points now with USC, you're a touchdown worse than what you could have gotten a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't I'm not in the business of trying to change uh, power ratings by a touchdown from one game. And that's a really big reaction. Having said that, you know, I don't think that Stanford's program is going in the right direction at all. I'm very concerned about where they're heading. This is not a team I want to be betting on. I don't I don't think I'll bet on Stanford a single time this season. I just don't trust the way they're going right now. USC, you know, they did play a pretty good San Jose State team. I think that's a really well coached team. My problem with laying a ton of points with USC also is I don't trust Clay Helton that much. I trust Keaton Slovis. I think he's tremendous, and I think he'll be a good NFL player. But you're laying seven points more than you would have before. Like I said, I can't take Stanford. I'm not even sure Stanford can score very much a year against USC either. How much is USC going to open it up and stay you know, fast-paced and throwing it around? Not sure. I think 17 is a lot of points. But all this is to say I think there's plenty of reasons to stay off this game. Um, this is one where if I were picking down through the, the board, this would be one of the very last ones I'd want to be forced to bet on. I can uh, I can agree with that. I can agree. We did have a question about Florida Atlantic and Georgia Southern, uh, and I honestly do not have a single thought on this whatsoever. Um, I'll You know what? Do either of you have an idea on this game? I would just say be, be careful um, misconstruing Emory Jones struggling at quarterback for Florida. Um, with FAU being good this year, um, that, that game last week, I think that Emory Jones is another guy who just the hype train for him got out of control at one point, And I'm not really sure why. And so I think Florida, it's plausible. Florida might even make a change at quarterback during the course of the season. And, and he might not be the guy. So I think that game last week was a lot more about, um, Emory Jones struggling than it was, uh, Florida Atlantic being a very good defensive team. 
the the line is seven and a half here in favor of Florida Atlantic at home. Uh, total of forty nine. I I would not feel good about laying more than a touchdown against Georgia Southern. Uh, I know that Georgia Southern has not been fantastic. They didn't look great in their first game, but I, you know, seven and a half just feels like too many points. Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on this one? My lean here is the under Florida Atlantic, a good defense. Georgia Southern runs the ball as much as they can, obviously taking a ton of time off the clock. I would think this would be a lower scoring game. And based on that, I would not want to lay seven and a half points either. I think Georgia Southern plays in a lot of close games based on the way they play. So uh, lean under, lean taking the underdog. UAB and Georgia was one that was asked about. Uh, Bill Clark, of course, going up against Kirby Smart. And now we've got all kinds of questions about Georgia with COVID issues, et cetera. Line is sitting at 24 and a half. I believe it opened at 27, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 27 and a half. And, you know, I, now I had this line at 25 uh, with my power ratings beforehand, but I, I ain't touching this one. I am not touching this at all because I don't know what's going on with JT Daniels. I don't know what to expect from Carson Beck. I, I don't know anything about what's happening with Georgia. So with that said, uh, Parker, you got any numbers that uh, that would lean one way or the other? Last week against Clemson, Georgia uh, had had pressure on only 18.3% of dropbacks, uh, but but – JT Daniels' A dot was only 3.5. So the issue there wasn't that he was getting pressured and that Georgia's offensive line couldn't handle defensive pass rush from Clemson. It was that the receivers in the secondary were a mismatch there positionally and that, you know, they, they couldn't create separation and Daniels had to check down. So granted, I don't know if he's healthy, um, but that would I would expect that to be different. And, you know, if Georgia really is, they just played a pitcher's duel against an excellent defense and they're going to be the team that kind of competes for the SEC this year. We'll see Daniels make a couple big throws against UAB. His his injury and some of the COVID stuff from last week, this game just wasn't on my radar. It d- totally makes sense. I With all the stuff going on around Georgia's program, I ain't touching it. I ain't touching it. Uh, Kyle, do you have a thought on, uh, on this one? Yeah, um, as betters, we don't like the unknown, and there's a lot of unknown in, in this game. So this is something that I, I want to stay away from, too. I will say um, UAB has been a team that's been great to back ATS, but when they've stepped up in class, we've seen them beaten down several times. So I think Georgia is more than capable of winning this game big. The question is, you know, um, COVID issues, injuries, does Georgia really care to to lay a beat down here on UAB? I think they're capable of it. Um, I'm not convinced that, you know, I, I would want to be laying that many points at the same time, you know, uh, I don't want to take UAB here because uh, there's such a big talent disadvantage. I tend to agree. Um, let's see. Rob Hoke asks about San Diego State and Arizona. Uh, again, Arizona, I think, didn't look terrible against BYU. And San Diego State, uh, they are trying something new with their offense. They're trying to speed up the pace a little bit. And and I'm not sure what to make of either of those. So I am staying off of that game. Uh, do either of you have anything to say about San Diego State and Arizona? Yeah, I'll start by saying, you know, San Diego State's performance last week was about as bad as any of them in a win that I've seen. You know, um, San Diego State just looked terrible against New Mexico State, down 10 to nothing at halftime. That's pretty inexcusable uh, for a team like San Diego State. They did end up winning that game fairly comfortably, but I believe they were outgained or it was a very similar yardage. Arizona actually played pretty well against BYU. I thought that was a pretty good showing. Fish is going to be an upgrade coach there. Uh, I think Arizona was really poorly coached in recent seasons. So, 
my lean in this game, if I had to bet something, would be the under. But um, what is it, 46 and a half or 47, somewhere in there. So you're talking a pretty low total. Um, probably going to stay away from this game. But uh, San Diego State didn't give me any reason to be too excited to bet them. Parker, you got a feel on it. No, there's another one that's really not on my radar just because I don't have a strong – I just don't have a strong feeling either way here. I agree with Kyle, and I just think that um, I – can't trust I either of them. Be more comfortable. I'll be more comfortable, you know, playing the straight numbers, like if with my model later in the season. But early season now, if if my error bars have you know cross zero, I'm just not going to play it. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. All right, that's going to, I guess, clear us out of the Q and A for right now. But uh, but of course, leave comments. We do respond on the YouTube page on the YouTube show in the comment section after the show is done. So keep leaving comments, ask questions. We would love to uh, to interact with everybody. Let's dive into the recap here, and we are going to dive through all of the picks from today. Parker has got five plays. NC State minus two and a half against Mississippi State. Liberty minus four and a half against Troy. App State plus nine on the road at Miami. Texas giving up seven at Arkansas. And Kentucky minus five at home against Missouri. I, Gary, am riding South Alabama minus 14 against Bowling Green. Iowa plus four and a half in the Cyhawk game against Iowa State. NC State minus two and a half against Mississippi State. And Liberty minus four and a half uh, against Troy. And I think that we missed. No, no, no. We got one of Parker's. Okay. Uh, Kyle is going under 46 in Iowa, Iowa State. He is going NC State minus two and a half. He is going under 61 and a half in Liberty, Troy. And he's going over 56 in Missouri at Kentucky. Oh, my goodness, what a fantastic slate of games we've got this weekend. What a fantastic slate. So let's go ahead and get out of here, give you guys the rest of your day. Again, if you have more questions, jump into the comments afterwards, and we will be there to to discuss a bunch of different things. If you want some numbers, you can hit up Parker. Again, follow us on Twitter. All of this stuff is in the description below. So we appreciate you tuning in to BetUS. Go ahead and tell you to subscribe to the channel because every Wednesday and Thursday we are going live. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Hit that notification bell, jump in the chat, share the show out, tell your friends about it, all that fun stuff. And, of course, sign up at BetUS where the game begins. You can use the promo code NCAAF2021. You're going to get a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is sportsbook exclusive. It's incredible. There's a link in the description. Go ahead and check it out and do yourself that favor. With that said, we are going to dive out of here. You guys have been fantastic. We thank you for tuning in. And for BetUS, where the game begins, we will see you all again next week.